Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. On today's episode, we want to talk about a popular topic, a biblical response to abortion. A biblical response to abortion. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now, as I begin this uh, episode, I do want to preface by stating that uh, this topic is sensitive in the sense that uh, many people are dealing with it. Many people have uh, aborted uh, babies or uh, know someone who's aborted a baby, and it's become a contentious um issue whether you are on the left or the right i'm hoping that this episode will help you as a christian will help you as a believer to delineate between falsehood and what biblical truth is all about it's not just this one topic in terms of abortion when we face social dilemmas, it's best if we are privy or knowledgeable about the scriptures and how to apply the scriptures to modernity or modern culture. So it's not just this one issue, whether we're talking about gambling whether we're talking about infanticide, whether we're talking about euthanasia, whether we're talking about divorce, whatever we're talking about as Christians, we must learn to look at the subject and apply it or rather filter it through a biblical worldview. So the same steps we use to calculate 
whether an act is right or wrong, if we're dealing with abortion, if we're dealing with divorce, if we're dealing with corporal punishment, if we're dealing with infanticide, if we're dealing with euthanasia, the same steps must be followed regardless of the topic to make sure that we're in good standings with God. Not based on your own subjective experiences, not based on your emotions, because our emotions are notoriously unreliable. Some days you feel this way, and then tomorrow when you get up, uh, you feel another way. So we must rely on the objective truth of the gospel rooted in God's nature, which is truth. God's nature, God's standard does not change. We change, but God does not change. So this topic of abortion, as I said before, I I sympathize with those that have gone through abortion, those who have to face this moral dilemma on whether or not to abort. I sympathize. But again, Our own personal experiences is not necessarily the objective truth that God is talking about. And I want to make sure that um, I say that because as we go through this topic, I'm not, whatever I'm sharing, I'm sharing it from a biblical paradigm. I'm not sharing it from Uh, an intellectual, solely intellectual perspective. I'm not sharing it from a political perspective. I'm not sharing it from um, a humanistic perspective. I'm not even sharing it from a class perspective. But I'm doing my best to share this information from a biblical perspective. So number one, when we talk about uh, these topics, there are some ground rules that all of us must establish. Whenever you present an argument, you have to have a foundation to build the argument on. So if you're in a courtroom and you are arguing for pro-choice, this is my body, uh, this is uh, my uh, autonomous reality, Uh, no one can tell me what to do, Even before you argue that, you have to have a foundation. What is your argument uh, based on? And the attorney may say, my argument is based on the Constitution. The Constitution tells me I have a right to uh, have control, total control over my body. The Constitution uh, says that as a human being, I have a say-so over what happens to my body, right? So when you get in the courtroom, you lay a foundation. My foundation is the Constitution. And when we look at uh, Roe v. Wade, that was the impetus of the, um, the finalization of what the judges ruled on. And uh, what they argued was that uh, the, 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 the woman has a right constitutionally, to abort the baby is is constitutional right. That's what uh, the courts uh, 
decree said. So before we even get to all of that, let's take a look at how we ought to approach Christian ethics. Again, um, it doesn't matter what you put in the blank, but the process as a Christian must be the same. Now, ultimately, what is all this fuss about? Ultimately, as Christians, our main goal is to please God. That is our ultimate goal. We run this race to please God. We read the scriptures to please God. We uh, discipline ourselves to please God. So everything we do is to please God. And so if God is the ultimate goal in terms of pleasing him, then we must learn how to put things in place in order to not violate his standards. So let's take a look at the process, the biblical process, or uh, uh, the overall process that we must use when an issue comes up. So whether we're dealing with homosexuality, whether we're dealing with uh, abstinence, whether we're dealing with divorce, whether we're dealing with uh, polygamy, whether we're dealing with um, infanticide, as I said before, euthanasia, corporal punishment, whatever it is that we're dealing with, we must follow this process. So number one, the first thing we have to do is analyze the issue. Analyze the issue. What is going on? If, uh, if you were from a different world and, and someone just uh, uh, put you into the Western society and you hear all of this chatter, uh, I'm for abortion. I'm not for abortion. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-life. And you were a believer. You were just uh, inserted into this discourse. What would you do? How would you handle it? We must analyze the issue. And I realize that some of you uh, are already beholden to your own political worldview. And Jesus didn't save us to be beholden to a political worldview. He saved us to free us from the rhetoric of the world. We have been liberated. So it doesn't matter how you grew up, it doesn't matter how your family voted. What matters is, are you making Jesus a priority? So we analyze the issue. And that's what I love about Christ. When, when Christ came on the scene, he didn't fit neatly into any of the religious organizations. He didn't fit neatly into the Pharisee uh, organization. He didn't fit uh, neatly uh, on the Sanhedrin council. He didn't fit neatly uh, in, in, into the, um, the, the other groups. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. The Essenes, he didn't fit neatly into the scribes. When Jesus came, he came with the kingdom agenda on his mind. He came to be about the Father's business, and he analyzed what was going on? The woman caught in adultery. Jesus analyzed the situation, and but yet was able to respond based on his kingdom agenda and not what 
these religious leaders wanted him to do. They wanted him to stone her. But Jesus says, he that is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus was able to use uh, his connection to the Father to cut through all of the rhetoric to deal with the main issue. And I'm sure that those that left uh, weren't totally pleased with how he responded because he wanted, they wanted him to condemn her. But Jesus dealt with the spiritual issue at hand. And really, that's what this whole thing is about. We should be concerned about how our actions affect our spiritual connection to the creator. Not based on whether you're red or you're blue. It should be based on the blood. That's Jesus Christ. So we analyze the issue. What is going on? How do we deal with this moral dilemma? Same thing with Solomon. Uh, the, the, the story of Solomon as he dealt with the two women who were fighting over the baby. And uh, uh, God was able to give Solomon the wisdom he needed to respond appropriately. And Solomon knew that the true mother would never harm the baby when he says, well, since we can't, uh, uh, I, I can't discern who the real, the, the real mother is, who the baby belongs to, let's cut the baby in half. And the false mother said, yes, let's do that. But the real mother said, no, I'd rather you keep the baby, don't harm him, than to harm the baby by cutting the baby in half. And when Solomon heard, this mother said, no, we can't harm this baby. He knew it was the, it was the genuine, authentic mother. So when we're dealing with moral dilemmas, let's analyze the issue. Why is it that people are saying uh, that the fetus is a subhuman, meaning that it's not really a human at all? Why is it people are saying that life does not begin until this starting point? Let's analyze the issue. And then why is it that those that are on the other side are saying no life begins here, uh, the fetus is a full human, why is it that they're saying it? Now, I must say that sometimes the rhetoric of, rhetoric of the world does match up with Scripture, meaning they stumble into truthfulness. But we must know what truth is to begin with. We must know what the scriptures are saying. We must know the authentic word of God before we start making arguments, before we start uh, articulating what God says, we have to know what it really says. We have to be hermeneutically correct. We must know the scriptures for ourselves. And the mistake that many believers make is they're arguing for doctrines that they haven't studied. What is the word of God actually saying? And how does the word of God relate to psychology and philosophy? God created all those things. God created logic. For logic are the rules that govern proper behavior. 
for years, we've been ministering to uh, Christians all over, um, all over uh, in, in various churches and in, in various arenas. Uh, this organization, Sign Reason and Ministries, we've been training believers and encouraging them to study the Word of God. We've been encouraging them to um, look at the truthfulness, the reality of how logic and reason and faith goes together. Just for moments such as these, we call it hot-button topics. But God, God's truth it's not based on popular vote. God's truth is not based on who, uh, uh, who's the most popular. It's not based on my own subjective feelings. God's truth is transcendently objective. So the first thing we ought to do before we deal with any social dilemma is how to is analyze the, the issue. Number one, let's answer the question, what is truth? Because we are uh, dealing with people, some inside the church, some outside the church, who can't even agree on what truth is. And for our definition, from a biblical paradigm, truth is telling something like it is. Truth is that which corresponds to its object. So those are the two definitions for truth. Truth is telling something like it is or that which corresponds to its object. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's correct because truth came out of the nature of God. When God created the universe, truth came along with it. So it's not up to humanity to redefine truth because truth has already been defined by God. When, when he created the world, again, truth came along with it. Truth concepts came along with it. Morality came along with it. This is why... No person can ever say that they created truth because truth was already here before they were born. The most we can do is we discover truth. Einstein could never say that he created the theory of relativity. Einstein, the most he can say is, I discovered the uh, theory of relativity because it was already here. No scientist can say they created the second law of uh, thermodynamics. That law was already put here by God. We only discover it. So when we talk about the truthfulness of marriage, when we talk about the truthfulness of divorce, when we talk about the truthfulness of singlehood, when we talk about the truthfulness of being a parent, the truthfulness of sexuality, the truthfulness of, um, of, 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 of virtue, we discover these things. Because God had already placed it here. And God is not looking for anyone to redefine what he's already put in place. So analyze the issue. What is the truth? And we said truth is telling something like it is or that which cor- uh, corresponds to its object. Then after we ask the question, what is the truth? What is the nature of truth? Meaning, what does truth look like? Right. We, we've we've already said the truth exists and uh, the definition of truth is telling something like it is. But what is it? What's the parameters of truth? What does it look like? So let's take a look at that. Now, the first thing as it relates to the nature of truth is truth has no expiration date. Let me say it again. 
Truth has no expiration date. Uh, food may expire. Your fashion choices may expire. But truth has no expiration date. And, and, and let me unpack it. Uh, many times as Christians, uh, you hear people say, well, that's old-fashioned. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Uh, it, it's outdated. Uh, Christianity or the teachings of the Bible are outdated. The problem is truth has no expiration date. So we cannot say that the truths of the Bible are expired or no longer is applicable because truth came out of God's nature. And to say that the truth of the Bible expire is to say that God can expire because these are God's word. And because God is eternal, his words are also eternal. Truth has no expiration date. So if God said thou should not murder or, or, or murder is wrong, murder will always be wrong. If God says that uh, holding grudges is wrong, 50, 100 years from now, holding grudges will always be wrong. If God says uh, to not hate your enemies, but to love them, then 1,000 years from now, that principle will always be applicable. So we as Christians, we can't allow uh, people's ad hominem attacks to throw us off track. We are about the kingdom agenda. We are about God's business. So when we argue for what the Bible is saying, we must correct those individuals who claim that because of their own personal bias, the word of God no longer uh, is in vogue. The word of God no longer is applicable. The word of God is just as applicable as when Moses uh, recorded it and as applicable as when John uh, the Baptist, uh, not John the Baptist, uh, John the disciple uh, recorded it in Revelations. So the word of God never expires. It never expires. The principles are eternal. So don't let people throw you off track by saying that truth ha uh uh, has an expiration date. God's truth has no expiration date. Now, human arguments, human philosophy may have expiration dates because uh, it is it, subject to flaws. It is, is when, when humanity comes up with ideologies, oftentimes it's, it's voided of God's truth. So yes, that has some fin of, uh, finitude to it, but not God's word. God's word never expires. Think of all the great philosophers and some of the statements they've made. And uh, those statements have proved, been proven to be wrong. But nothing, Jesus said, not, not, not one word, not one tittle should pass away. Number two, truth is not based on popularity or the majority vote. The issue with Western thinking in a, uh, within many circles is... A lot of people uh, base their truth on, on popular opinion. When politicians run for office, uh, they test out their stance by finding out, in many cases, how many people support this or that. Well, truth is not based necessarily on what most people think. 
There was a time in American history when the majority of people thought that uh, the Negro was subhuman, that African Americans were subhuman. That didn't make it true just because the majority embraced it, nor was it appropriate when Hitler uh, saw the Jews as subhuman and the majority embraced it. So just because the majority embraces a, uh, a particular view doesn't necessarily mean that view is truthful or accurate. So um, we'll continue on our next episode in terms of a biblical response to abortion, and I promise you we'll get there. We'll get there to uh, the arguments uh, from the Bible as it relates to abortion. Uh, we thank you for listening. As always, uh, we invite you to our special uh, fundraising event on August the 26th. If you want more information, go on our website, srministries.org, srministries.org. Uh, we appreciate all of your prayers. We appreciate the partnership through finance. If you'd like to give, go to srministries.org, or you can make your donation now to Sound Reasoning Ministries, P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Road. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with Apologist and, remember, and Minister Perseus Poku so from Sound Reasoning Ministries. God bless. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a lot more. Please connect to lifeaudio.com. God bless. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, we hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and to, especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com. <laughs>